Today I'm going to continue in the series, The Return of Jesus Christ, preaching through the gospel of Matthew chapter 24. And I would just say, if anybody needs Spanish translation, we do have headsets available. You can get those in the back corner. So thankful for all of our translators. I'm going to read three verses today and preach from those three verses, Matthew 24, verses 29 through 31, reading from the New Living Translation, immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, And there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet, and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. I'm going to preach for just a little bit. My timer set on 25 minutes, so at least that long, on this thought, look up, look up. God bless you, you may be seated. And I don't know if you can hear this right now, but we battle trains and dance music, so just ignore that, what's going on next door. Every week, it seems, in, in our current time you hear about UFOs and aliens. They're in the news everywhere and people, new sightings. Anybody seen any of that? Constantly UFOs and aliens. And just this past week in Mexico, their government met and to discuss extraterrestrials and aliens and what that would look like. And there were three, I believe it was three or however many there were, there were these They were in glass cases. They were like mummified extraterrestrials, I think, that were found in Peru. They look strangely, from what I've heard, strangely like E.T. Three fingers and the big eyes and the long neck. And Somebody recently asked if you did find extraterrestrials or if they were found, would that shake your faith in the Bible? And the answer is no. The Bible is true regardless of what's out there or what's not out there. The Bible doesn't say they don't exist. I don't believe they exist, but the Bible doesn't say either way. So if we find extraterrestrials, no big deal. It's nothing new. In fact, in the early part of this past century, when people tuned in on their radio and they were not aware of what was going on and they heard H.G. Wells and the war of the world, people thought that we were under attack by aliens from another planet. They thought that Martians had really invaded when they listened and scared to death and they had to put out announcements. This was all just a drama. This wasn't true. It's, it's not anything new. Some people see aliens looking to the outer parts of the universe as the source of our existence. In the documentary Expelled, done by Ben Stein, as he interviewed a number of professors from all over the world who had 
been expelled from universities for believing in creationism and believing that there was a God who spoke all of the worlds into existence. They were expelled and they were kept from advancing. They were, they were kept from getting seniority and they were kept from getting all of the perks that professors get. They were kept on lower levels or just fired outright. And when he asked these brilliant people at the end of the documentary, he showed these clips of people like Stephen Hawkins and other brilliant men, unquestionable brilliance. But don't believe the Bible and don't believe in God. And when asked about, well, where did all this come from? It had to come from somewhere. There had to be a cause. Their answers were basically in two categories. Somehow another crystals got together and collided created all of this, or aliens did it. It's nothing new as people look at that and go, this is where we came from. And in fact, people are, some are calling for aliens to come and help us and to fix all of our problems. You see that out there. And there have already been people that have theorized and, and said there's coming a day when all of the people who don't believe in the agenda of this world will just be taken out of here. It's not the rapture, it's the anti-rapture. We are the ones who are the bad people and aliens will just abduct us and take us away because we don't follow the agenda of this one world governmental system that is being put in place as we speak. You look around us, there's economic difficulty, there are wars and rumors of war and talks about us going to war in the first quarter of next year and all kinds of things including the climate change the global climate change which is bringing about this global calamity and I put it in quotes and I'll talk about it maybe uh, some now and some later but people looking at this and saying that our, our problems are climate change and how are we going to fix that and there's only one way to fix that and that is to cut down carbon emissions and have a one world government YouTube's paying attention will be censored before the day's over. I heard a direct quote. I heard him say it before he was King Charles. Prince Charles said this, that there is one man who can save the planet. He was talking about climate change and saying we're, we're, in, we're in bad shape and the world is going to end because of climate change and and the COVID pandemic was going, and he said, there's only one man. He said, it's too expensive for the world to, to fix climate change, and it's too expensive for the world to take care of the pandemic. And he said, but there's a guy out there, and he didn't name him. He said, there's a man out there that has all the resources, and he has more money than most of the, pe- most of the countries in the world, and he can take care of all of this. Ultimately, what he's doing was setting up this idea of the Antichrist, a Savior, and people are looking for that. And the Bible says when people call and cry out for peace and safety, then sudden destruction is going to come. So where do we look for help? Do we look to politics? Our political season, it's already in full swing. Debates and people trying to take each other out of the race before it gets started very well. Do we look to government for the answer? Do we look to technology and AI? Is it the answer to all of our problems? But none of these are the solution to the world's problems. There is only one solution to our world's problems. And that solution does come from above. 
but it is not aliens, it is Jesus Christ who is coming in the clouds. We need to look up for our help and look up for our redemption. Jesus is the solution. And after painting this picture in Matthew 24, it's called the Olivet Discourse because he gives this standing on the Mount of Olives. When asked about the temple and when will be the sign of the destruction of the temple and your coming and the end of the age, Jesus delineated a number of signs and we preached through the first part of those signs that would allow you to understand that the end of the age is drawing near. We looked at the Antichrist and looked at various aspects of that and last week we looked at the great tribulation and how we should trust Him regardless of what's going on around here. Trust Jesus. That if tribulation comes, in fact, Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. There are going to be problems. You're going to have it. But whether it's just tribulation or the great tribulation, whatever we experience, and once again, I'll let you draw your conclusion about the timing of the rapture, but I would just tell you it's getting close. Jesus then, after talking about this great tribulation, which is the second half of the seven-year period, the second half of this final seven-year period when the Antichrist would set himself up in Jerusalem as Messiah. Not only would he stand in the temple and proclaim himself to be Messiah, but he would more than likely put some kind of idol there. It could be an AI technology. Who knows what it'll be. Martyrdom will ensue as he begins to kill Jews and others who do not follow his agenda. And Jesus starts this next sentence that I read to you, but immediately after the tribulation of those days. He puts a time stamp on it. It's not before that, it's not some ambiguous time, but it is immediately after this great tribulation that he spoke about. He then makes, when he makes that connection, he makes four connections to the sky. And I'm going to use that as the framework for us looking up today. Four connections between the second coming and the sky. The first connection is this, is that Jesus creates disturbances in the sky. He said the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky. The powers of the heavens will be shaken. This is a repeated prophecy in the Old Testament, depending on your Bible, depending on what version you read, or depending on the particular publisher of the Bible that you have. Just give you a little helpful hint here. When you see in the New Testament a section of Scripture that is all capital, for some publishers and some Bible translations, what that means is it is a quotation from the Old Testament. That know that this is not just the first time this has been said, but it has been said before. And this particular prophecy that Jesus gives. It's been repeated in the Old Testament over and over. Isaiah 13, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, 
cruel with fury and burning anger to make the land a desolation, and he will exterminate its sinners from it. For the stars of heaven and their constellation will not flash forth their light. The sun will be dark, and when it rises, and when it rises, and the moon will not shed its light. Isaiah prophesied it, but not just once, but in Isaiah 24. So it will happen in that day, which day the day of the Lord, that the Lord will punish the hosts of heaven on high and the kings of the earth on the earth. They will be gathered like prisoners in the dungeon and will be confined in prisons and after many days they'll be punished and the moon will be abashed. The sun ashamed for the Lord of hosts will reign on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem and its glory will be before his elders. Ezekiel says the same thing. I will cover the heavens and darken the stars and will cover the sun with the cloud and the moon will not give its light. It's the day of the Lord. That this symbol symbolizes the day of the Lord, which is the day of His judgment, the day that God begins to judge the wicked for their sin. Joel 2, before them the earth quakes, the heaven tremble, the sun and moon grow dark, and the stars lose their brightness. Joel 2, 30-31, I will display wonders in the sky and on the earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the great and awesome day of the Lord. When is it going to happen? It's going to be before the great and awesome day of the Lord. That this constellation or this cosmic disturbance that Jesus caused, it is not the day of the Lord, but it is the sign that His day is coming just around the corner. Joel would repeat it again, and Amos will say it, and, and Peter would quote Joel in Acts chapter 2, and I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. The Jesus says, immediately after the tribulation, these cosmic disturbances, Sun and moon dark, darken. The, the stars do not give their light. This is the same God who spoke it into existence. The one who in Genesis 1 said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years and let them be for lights in the expanse of the heaven to give light to earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day, the lesser light to govern the night. He made the stars also. Don't you like how he just throws that out there? He made the sun, he made the moon, uh, he just made the stars also. Just this flippant throw out there, yeah, all these stars, he just made those two. The God of the universe, he then placed them in the expanse of the heaven to give light on the earth and to govern the day and the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. But he didn't just create it. The writer of Hebrews would tell us this, that he upholds all of these things by the word of his power. That the sun, the moon, the stars, and all of his creation that He spoke it into existence and the sound waves are still reverberating and they're still holding everything in place. That the sun still shines because God said, let there be light. And the moon still reflects the sun's light because God said, let there be light. And the stars are still there because He said, let there be. And there was. He just made them also. And His Word is what's upholding all of that. And when you look out at the wonders of space and the wonders of the universe, it's ever-expanding and go... Man, this is awesome. 
And what does that mean about the one who could create such an awesome thing? God is beyond awesome. He upholds it by his power. And understand this, Satan cannot affect God's creation out there. That when this happens, as God prophesies, it's not Satan that caused things to get dark. It's not God who cast down the stars from heaven. Satan can't do it. And if I could be so bold and to tell you this, we can't do it either. Climate change, whatever that means, we can't affect it either. If there really was an ice age, anybody glad for climate change? I don't like that much cold. And if you don't like the weather, as they say today, just wait till tomorrow. It'll be different. It's always changing. When they couldn't prove global warming, they had to call it climate change. I should, I should move on. But understand, only God can bring changes in the heavens. And it will be a sign to the Jews and the church that the day of the Lord is at hand. That when you see what he prophesied and you see these cosmic disturbances, when you see the sun and the moon change and the stars fall from the sky, know that the day of the Lord is at hand. And then, after making all of these disturbances, Jesus said this, that he would place his sign in the sky. And then at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming. He's going to put a sign that says, I'm on my way. And I'm getting ready to come back. I'm on my way back. I'm putting a sign that I am coming. And it will appear in the heavens. There will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and glory. The nature of this sign... It's this, his first coming had a sign. That he doesn't come without letting you know that he's coming. And when asked about what will be the signs of your coming, he obliges them and he gives them signs. After seeing all of this, wars and famines and all of these things and tribulation and persecution and the Antichrist, after seeing all of that and then you see the cosmic disturbances, he says, now the last sign is this. I'm going to put a sign in the sky that says I'm coming back. The cosmic disturbances tell the Jews and the church, they, they know the Bible that he's coming, but there's something else he's going to place in the sky that everybody will recognize. That this cosmic disturbance it is not from climate change and it's not aliens, but it is Jesus Christ who is getting ready to come. He is the one who has done all of this. I don't know what it'll be, but I, I'll know it when I see it. He didn't tell us what the sign of his first coming will be, but he put a sign in the sky. He put a star. And people could see it, and the wise men made a journey from a far land so that they could come and bring gifts. They recognized it. But this one, it won't be, you can't miss it. This one is going to be unmistakable, and all the people of the earth will mourn. The response will be that they will mourn because they know that the one they have denied and the one they have been persecuting his, his people, 
that that is the one who's coming back. And if he could do all of that in the cosmos, if he can make the sun and the moon to go dark and he can cast the stars down, what's he going to do when he gets here? To those who have persecuted his people. The word mourning means travail or lament. The people will recognize the sign. All the nations will recognize their error. They will recognize that they have been duped by the Antichrist. But it's more than just recognizing you are wrong and recognizing He is coming. They will recognize that the one who came declaring peace in Bethlehem is now coming in wrath. It will be the day of the wrath of the Lamb. Revelation, it parallels this. Revelation 6. It is the sixth seal. I looked when he broke the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake and the moon became black as sackcloth made of hair. The whole moon became like blood and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree cast its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. The sky was split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up and every mountain and island were moved out of their place. Then the king's of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us. You know it's bad when you're saying to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us, crush us, hide us from the presence of Him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb for the great day of His wrath has come. And who is able to stand? The whole world will recognize because of what's in the sky that Jesus is coming back and His wrath is coming on all of those who did not follow Him. Not only does He cause these changes and cosmic disturbances and not only does He put His sign in the sky, but He Himself comes in the sky. They will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with power and great glory. He came the first time in a stable. Almost nobody saw him. Joseph and Mary, a few shepherds, wise men would later come. This time, when He comes, every eye will see Him. Aren't you thankful that He's coming? And aren't you thankful that you know Him? So when He comes, He's coming for you. He's coming to pull you out of here. He's coming to take us home. He's not coming in wrath for His people. He is coming to take us away. Revelation 1-7 would say it this way, Behold, He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see Him. Even those who pierced Him, the Jews are going to see Him. And the tribes of the earth will mourn over Him. So it is to be. In Acts chapter 1, when Jesus gives His last instruction to His disciples, He begins this slow ascent to heaven. It's not like what we envision the rapture in this moment in the twinkling of an eye, this instantaneous event. 
but he slowly begins to lift off the earth. And they just watch him go. He disappears into the clouds. The angels come and say, why are you looking? This same Jesus who just went up, he's coming in like manner. He is coming in the clouds, and this time, it's not going to be he's just going to suddenly appear. You're going to see him coming. There's a comet. They're saying we're getting ready to see some green comet. Anybody heard about the green comet that's coming? It's not a superhero. They're watching this make its way toward us. And I think when Jesus comes, it's going to be like everybody's going to see him. He's not just going to show up and boom, there he is. He's going to put his sign in the sky. And just like he slowly ascended into heaven, he's going to be coming back. And they're going to see him from a great way off. And they're going to mourn because they know that they're in trouble. The day of the Lord's wrath has come. But you and I are not going to be in mourning because we know that we're getting ready to be taken out of here. That we're going to be raptured out of here to ever be with the Lord. That Jesus would say, when you see all of these things, look up. Your redemption is drawing nigh. When you see the disturbances and you see the sign in the sky and you see him coming back your redemption is just about here in verse 31 he gathers his elect or his chosen ones in the sky he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world from the furthest ends of the earth and the heaven and we will meet him in the air that we're going to be lifted off of this earth and we're going to meet jesus in the air And if you're reading Revelation 6, about the sixth seal, the sign of the day of the Lord, there is a pause. The sixth seal is open. It is like a scroll. If I could do it this way, if you've seen a scroll and it has multiple seals, seal made of wax imprinted with the signet ring of the one whose scroll it is. I don't have time to get into the fact that only Jesus can open the scroll. He can only, Jesus can break the seals. But it's got seven seals. He breaks the first four. The fifth one is the great tribulation. When he gets to number six, it is these cosmic disturbances. He breaks open the sixth seal. The angels are standing by, Revelation says. They're ready to to bring about judgment. But they say, wait a minute, before you do that, before judgment comes, got a couple things we have to do. And Revelation 6 would tell us, or verse chapter 7 actually goes into chapter 7, it tells us the interim between the 6th and the 7th seal, and that is this, it is the sealing of the 144,000, 12,000 from each of the tribes of Israel. They are sealed. What are they sealed from? The wrath that's getting ready to be poured out. That God is getting ready to supernaturally protect them from His wrath. And then immediately after the 144,000 are sealed from judgment, the Bible says there appears in heaven this great multitude that no man can number. Out of every kindred, tongue, nation, and people. This great multitude of people and the, one of the elders says, where did they come from? He said, they just came from great tribulation. 
These are one who have come out of great tribulation and have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. These are the people that He's gathering together in in verse 31 from all corners of the world. He's gathering His elect. He is rapturing them out of here. And He has taken them to heaven before His judgment comes. He says judgment is almost here and He raptures His people and then judgment comes. But aren't you thankful that we're not going to be here for the judgment of God, but there is a trumpet that is going to call us up. That at the sound of the trumpet and the voice of the archangel, we are going to be resurrected and taken out of here. I don't have time to read 1 Thessalonians or 1 Corinthians. But just know that there, in Israel, there are two different kinds of trumpets. The shofar, which you're familiar with, and then this single straight trumpet. And when that trumpet would be sounded, it would signal two things. It would sound the call for the people of God to gather together. And it would also signal we're getting ready to go to war. God only blew the trumpet one time in the Old Testament. When Moses is up there getting the Ten Commandments, the Bible says there's the sound of a trumpet that takes place. They hear it in the valley. They can hear it, the sound of the trumpet that God blows. But He's going to blow a trumpet one more time. It's the last trumpet. And when He blows that trumpet, He's going to do two things. He said, come on, gather up my people. That we're going to go out to meet him in the air. And he's going to say the wrath of God is coming upon all of those who were not ready. It is the second trumpet that he blows. Matthew 13. He will send his angels. They will gather out of the kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness. He will throw them into the furnace of fire. That it is two simultaneous harvest. The harvest of God's elect who go to heaven and the harvest of God's judgment where He wipes out the wicked. People from all over the world will be raptured because the gospel has been preached to all nations. And I wasn't sure how I should end this today. Actually, I was sure, but I'm going to take a little turn. We should celebrate and rejoice that we belong to Him and that we will not be recipients of His wrath. That we are not appointed unto wrath, but unto life. we should not rejoice on those who will be appointed to the wrath of God. It seems that, and I preached about it in the first message, Santa comes to the piano, as I preached about the first message of this series, that the gospel will be preached to all nations and then the end will come that what you and I should do as a result yes celebrate that we're spared from his wrath 
response should be to try to get as many people as we can to be spared from his wrath. That my loved ones and my family, I don't want them to experience the wrath of God because those who experience his wrath are lost forever. I don't want my friends, my neighbors, to experience the wrath of God. And there's only one way to keep from experiencing the wrath of God. And Jesus said it to John, there's only one way to see heaven. It's to be born again. To be born of water and spirit. So my call to you today is to ensure that you are ready personally. And to ensure that as many people as you know are ready. That we must be born again. We must be saved. not enough just for us to be saved but our loved ones who don't know Jesus like we do and our loved ones who haven't experienced his salvation and his new birth that they too would be born again that they too would repent of their sins and they would be baptized in the only saving name of Jesus they would be filled with the Holy Spirit of God There is trouble all around us. The end of the age is approaching. But I would tell you not to look at your problems, but look to Jesus. Not to look at your surroundings, but look to Jesus. Peter, when he, if you would stand together, Peter, when he sees Jesus walking, on the water, the Bible says that Jesus would have passed them by, and Peter says, Lord, if that's you, bid me come. Peter steps out of the boat at Jesus' bidding, and he's walking on the water. The storm is going on, it's, the waves are high, the wind is blowing, and he, he's looking at Jesus, and as he's doing that, he's fine, everything's good then he looks at his surroundings and he sees the the height of the waves and he sees the the speed of the wind and when he does when he takes his eyes off of Jesus and he looks at his surroundings the Bible says he begins to sing and he cries out Lord save me and Jesus takes him by the hand and pulls him back to the top of the water and they both walk to the boat together take your eyes off of Jesus and look at everything else you can't walk for him you can't survive you can't make it I encourage you to look up today Jesus is our help he is everything that we need and I referenced it earlier but Jesus would say as recorded in Luke in this parallel passage they will see the son of man coming with a cloud with great glory when these things begin to take place straighten up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing nigh 
that Jesus is the only source of our salvation. He's the only source of our help. He's the only source for our friends and our family to be saved. It is Jesus Christ. So look up today. Make your election sure. Make sure you're saved. And look to Him in the middle of difficulty. And look at Him until He raptures us out of here. Don't look at the world. and Don't be bothered by what's going on. But just look to Jesus today. If that's your desire and that's your prayer, would you come and make a declaration of faith by your presence at the front of this building and say, Jesus, I'm going to look to you. I'm going to turn my eyes to you. I'm going to look upon you. I'm going to ignore everything else but trying to get people to heaven and look into you for my help and look into you for my salvation. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, we put our trust, our faith, our hope in you today. We put our trust and our faith in you today. God, we come and we declare that we're going to look to you. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord.